When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to episode 57 of the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by Elliot Shore Parks and Mark Eckel. They cover the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media. They were down in Baltimore on Sunday to watch the Eagles drop a close one, 27-26, the ninth loss in 11 games for the Eagles now, now 5-9 and nine on the season, heading down into the final two games of the season. And yesterday, as we do this podcast on the money, the Eagles were officially eliminated from any sort of postseason possibility uh, with other things and their own loss. But this one came right down to the end. Let's start with you, Elliot. Let's start with the decision, and then we'll get into everything else, the loss and the game meant and, and moving forward. But Doug Peterson, the Eagles head coach, decides to go for two when his team had a chance to kick an extra point and possibly take the game into overtime after Carson Wentz ran in for a score that felt like the game tying score. Doug goes for two. Your thoughts on it, Elliot. All right, so I have a bunch of different thoughts on this. And I'll, I'll, start, with, I'll start with this. When, I, when we talked to players in the locker room yesterday, the number one thing, no matter what you asked them, no matter what the question was, to me, it seemed like what every answer ended with was, we need a win. We need a win. Like this is, you know, they've lost, I think, five in a row now, um, two of their last 11. So they, they, this team needs a win to kind of believe in what they're building. And so... You know, that's a lot of the reason people point to the decision to go for it was the right one. But to me, that's why it was exactly the wrong one. I mean, the Eagles had the momentum. They had just driven down the field to tie the game. Um, and I understand that if you go for a two, obviously, and you make it, you win right there and the game's over. But what you did was you basically took away the chance for this team to compete in overtime. And everyone says, oh, well, the Ravens have a really good kicker. Um, yeah, that's true. But if the Ravens get a field goal on their first on the first possession of overtime – the Eagles get the ball back, and the Eagles were playing well. They had a lot of confidence. I thought going for two um, was that was the wrong decision. It deprived this team a chance to win the game in overtime, as opposed to just doing it on one play. Um, and then, on from another perspective, is Carson Wentz. Uh, I've said on this podcast, you know, every week basically, the whole point of this season is to develop Carson Wentz, is to get him and to get him ready to go. And the one. The one area I have not liked about Carson Wentz this season that's, that's held me back a little bit is how small he's come up in big game situations. I think going into yesterday, he was like over 5 or over 6 with the ball in the last two minutes with the game closed. So he had not performed well. There's just no getting around it. Yesterday, he drives the team down the field, gets in the end zone, and now it ends with his, you know, him on an incompletion. If you get the ball... You know, you kick the extra point and the Ravens score in overtime and you lose, fine. I mean, you, you end up losing anyway. But at least Wentz ends the game on a good note. So I thought from a number of different reasons, it was a bad call. Especially, and, and, and one more thing, Mark, sorry, one, I know I'm going on here. But uh, the last thing is everyone says, oh, well, you're five, and, you're five and eight. So, you know, who cares? Like, just do whatever. I, I don't think your, your losing record is never a reason to be reckless. I mean, if you need a win, you need a win. And convention says you tie the game there. Just because you have a losing record, this is why they have a losing record, because he's been so reckless with his decision-making all season. So I thought going 
I thought kicking the point was absolute, absolutely the right call. Going for it was not. Mark, go ahead. What can I say? Well, he said, what can I add? Okay. I know. That's I will a- add this. I will add this. Elliot, when the Eagles got the ball, to, when they had moved to about the, what, inside the 20, what did I say to you? You said they're going to go for two. That's what I said. And you said, and you, and you said, you think they're going to score? And I, <laughs> if, I said, well, if they do. Right. I knew it. I knew. I just knew it. I knew he was going to go for two. And I I don't hate it nearly as much as you do, Elliot. I I, under, I can't disagree with anything that you just said. I, I the momentum was as is big there. They did the Eagles did it. They were down ten. They came back. So yes, they did have all the mo- momentum. Um, if he got if 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 he if that pass is completed or whatever they do, they score. Everybody's saying, "Wow, Doug!" Right? I mean, Doug's a hero. Yeah, but it wasn't. I know. Oh no! Listen, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying. Um, I also thought the play call was a bad. Oh, that that that's where I'm that's where I'm heading. Yeah, that's where I figured. Fine. I didn't. I I can't kill him for doing it. I did. I think the record is, and I love what you said there. That's why the record is five and eight. <laughs> now, but I I would have loved to, and Doug would never. He oh, he might answer. He answers every. He says anything about anything. I, I we probably should ask him to today. If they were eight and five instead of five and eight, so they're eight and five. They're right in the middle of a playoff race. Does he go for it then? Mark, before you go on, I believe – I didn't hear the audio. I just saw a quote tweeted out. I believe we're doing this podcast on a Monday uh, on his regular spot with Angelo Cataldi. Uh, he was asked this was question, yeah. and I think – and I could dig up the actual you know, quote. But- I know what you're talking about, Joe. He said that if, if they were – and I'm paraphrasing. If they were 8-5 and five instead of 5-8, of eight, he would have kicked the extra point. Right. Okay. okay. Right. So, so he, he answered the Again, question. No, no coach would even answer that. No coach would even – <laughs> I got to, you know what, if they, if and when they get rid of this guy, we're going to miss him because <laughs> no, I've, I've been around a lot of coaches and a lot of sports for a lot of years. Nobody gives, nobody's as honest as this guy ever. Like no, I've ever dealt with would have said, well, we're not eight and five. I'm not going to go there. Uh, we're not, we were five and eight. He answered it. And, he, and again, that's the, it's, it's the honest answer. And that's what I expected it. I mean, he wouldn't have gone for if he's eight and five, yeah, he plays it. You know that would he he would have been killed for doing it. I didn't disagree with anything with your whole monologue there. I I I, right. I can't disagree with anyone. I don't. I just don't hate it as much as you do. And I really, what I didn't like was the play call, uh-huh. the personnel on the field. All of a sudden, Byron Marshall, who is on the practice squad for thirteen weeks, thirteen right. weeks, he's on the practice squad. Not even a sniff of the roster. No one, not even being mentioned about being called up to the roster. Wendell Smallwood hurts his knee. The only reason he's on the roster, he didn't. He's not on the roster because he was so great, and he, he they had to get him up. No, Smallwood got hurt. They had to bring the running back up. And let me say this: if Kenyon Barner doesn't get hurt in the game, Marshall's probably not even on the field. He becomes your key guy. Where Ryan Matthews is, say what you want about Ryan Matthews, and I don't think any of us are big fans of us. Of, of him. The guy played his best game maybe as an Eagle yesterday. He, right was, very, he was very good. He ran yes. the ball very well. He's got on the field. And people say, well, they were going to throw the ball. And, that's, and that was Doug's answer. Well, I thought it was better to throw there than, than to run. Okay. I'm not going to debate that. But by not having Matthews on the field and having Marshall on the field, well, the Ravens knew you weren't going to run. They knew you weren't going to get the ball to Marshall there. So now you, now you made yourself one-dimensional. The Raiders, I mean, the Ravens look at you and say, okay, they're, they're throwing here. They go zero coverage, all out blitz. 
you know, Wentz rushes his throw, Mosley tips it, game over, Ravens win. If, if Matthews is out there, the Ravens are thinking, okay, they might give it to Matthews again. That's what they did the first time they went for two, and he did that leap over the, over the, over the goal line. At least they're thinking about it. So by having – that's what I didn't like. I didn't like the – I didn't like – and I, I didn't like straight drop back quick throw either. You have Carson Wentz, who just scored on a, on a touchdown himself from about the – what where was it, the three-yard line or four-yard yeah, line? Yeah, the three or the four. Or something. So you're only – you're in the same ballpark. Roll, I would have – I would have had Matthews on the field just to let the Ravens know we we hey we might give him the ball, and I would have rolled Wentz out. I would have had Wentz had that option to maybe keep it and go in, or if the line if the linebackers come up, you dump it over to Ertz or something, whatever. I I didn't I didn't mind the decision as nearly as much as you. I didn't I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I hated the whole the the personnel on the field and the and the actual play call, and for that matter, the execution of it. Wentz threw a bad ball. So I liked I liked the play call. I thought I was with you, Mark, from you know two hundred miles away up in New Jersey. I I just felt like he was going to go for it too. I thought he was going to do it. I liked it. I liked the aggression. I thought they could steal a win in a game that was six minutes to go until Flacco threw that pass. Like I didn't feel for how one bad minute. that by the way. And then how about John Harbaugh throwing him, throwing Marty Morningwood in the bus and saying it was an all time <laughs> bad decision? I mean, he said it was on him for not vetoing yeah, it, but, but, but we yeah. know what he was talking about. But yeah, I I like the idea of trying to go for the win. Uh, instead of going into overtime there, and I like the aggression, but I am also with you, Mark, on the like they they could have had a better way of trying to go about that play, and and I didn't think they were going to run it either. But not having Matthews in the field does telegraph it, and they didn't roll him right. out. So it I mean, was if Matthews is on the field. If I'm the Ravens, if I'm the Ravens defense, if I'm you know C.J. Mosley or whoever, you know whoever on the field for the Ravens, and I see Ryan, Matt, I know. I mean, I flash back to the second quarter when they went for two and they handed it to Matthews, right? I mean, I have to. Right. Even if I don't, even if I don't think they're going to do that again, I have to respect the fact that they might. Well, here's my all right. A couple of things. One, first of all, if if you're going to coach like your five, if the game's five and eight, and not eight and five, then why kick an extra point throughout the game at all? Why not just go for two and never punt? I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna just coach a game because you're out of it, then you know why only do it on that last play? Well, actually, two, he, he he did go for two both times he scored. Yeah, they didn't kick any extra points yesterday. Two, two. Byron Marshall played more snaps yesterday than Ryan Matthews, and to yeah. me, that this speaks to why Ryan Matthews cannot be this team's feature back next year. And it's two main reasons: one, he gets hurt all the time, which we've discussed at length; but two, it's clear this team doesn't trust him in passing situations. That's the only reason you have an undrafted rookie who was on the practice squad a week ago on the field for more snaps than your running back that you're paying. You know, set to pay five million dollars to. And he was playing his best game. He played, and he was playing his best game. Right. If they won that game yesterday, if 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 they get the two point conversion, and I'm giving out like hockey three stars of the game, Ryan Matthews is one of my three stars. He's probably number one. But well, maybe not because it was that two point went on the last whatever. But yeah, he's in there though. I mean, he he played well. He he was tremendous yesterday. He was as good. If that if that's if that was Ryan Matthews every week, he'd be Ezekiel Elliott. Right, but that yeah, the problem is he's never available every week. But right. but this to me to me yesterday highlighted the the strength and the weakness of Doug Peterson as a head coach. Start with the strength, but what about yeah. the strength is? All right, his strength after watching Peterson for you know almost a year now because he was you know hired mid January last year. His strength is his players absolutely play hard for him and they do like him. Last year we can debate to death how many players didn't like Chip and who didn't. But there was a portion of the locker room that didn't like Chip, and I think you saw that, especially with Jason Peters, at the end of the year when they kind of folded on him. This team has not folded on Doug Peterson. They've played hard the past two weeks. They were in position to win both games. 
And they did. on and off the record, whoever I talked to in that locker room, they support Doug Peterson. But Brandon Brooks is the best head coach he's ever had. But so Who said that? So so Brandon Brooks. So so Doug so Doug Peterson. Bill O'Brien, I guess, huh? <laughs> so Doug and Peterson, Gary Kubiak, who won a Super Bowl, right? Wasn't he? Because wasn't Brooks in uh, with Houston for a few years? Yeah. So I mean, and I've asked. They, I asked they've been, been there at the end of Kubiak, you know. So Brooks told me that after the loss to the Giants, and then he said it again after the uh, after the Bengals lost. So, but regardless, th- this is that that's his strength. Doug Peterson gets his players to play hard, and that's what Jeffrey Lurie wanted. He wanted an open-hearted coach with emotional intelligence. So that's what he's gotten. Doug Peterson's weakness, which is going to be his downfall, and I think Mark will agree with me on this, he is not a good coach on Sundays. He, he, he makes bad decisions in the game. His, per, his play calling at the beginning of the game is good. I think yesterday you tried to run the ball more, and you saw the success of that. But, I mean, in time after time this year, in big situations, he's made the wrong decision. I mean, I wrote this Monday morning on NJ.com. And when I started to write it, I wasn't even aware of how many mistakes I was going to find. I mean, you can go to almost every game that in, these, in these last five or six, and you can point to a big mistake by him that either just makes no sense at all or it was a 50-50 call and he picked the wrong option. I mean, what has he done this year besides week one in Cleveland where they got it on fourth down? And that was the wrong decision. I don't care. It worked, but it was the wrong decision. Right, right. You, yeah, you can certainly argue that. But what, what, have they, what has he done in-game – in the, over the past two months that has worked out? I mean, there's very little. Like, Nelson Aguilar maybe has improved since he benched him. but No, he hasn't. Okay, he but, had but, one catch for nine yards yesterday. Right, okay, dropped another right. one. That's Not fair. Nelson Aguilar. So you bench Nelson Aguilar, right? And then yesterday he plays more snaps than Jordan Matthews. So, you know what I mean? Like, there, there's that's no... That's frequency. His personnel, he has no idea. It's like... Uh, he never has the right pe- – both sides of the ball. Jim Schwartz is just as bad. Right, and we'll talk about – have the right people in at the right time or in the right talk, place. Yeah, we, we can talk about Jim Schwartz in a minute. But the last point I want to make about Peterson was the I'm decision sure. not to have Ryan Matthews on in, in on that two-point conversion, I mean, that's like a borderline fireball offense. If you talk about the best pl- – arguably the best player on your offense yesterday, right? Just yesterday, probably the best player on your offense, the biggest play of the game. Like, I don't care what package you're running. You, like, you need him out on the field there for the reasons Mark just just highlighted, and then you throw it across the middle into traffic. On like it just it's asking for disaster. So is Doug Peterson? Can he learn from this? I maybe. I mean, Mark, you were here for the beginning stages of Andy, so I don't know. Andy was never a good coach, or never a good in-game coach. I think people could argue that to a certain degree. His weakness he was he didn't do these kind of things though. Right. Okay. But so let he me ask this. up a lot after watching. After he had the right people Andy, on the field. After watching Andy grow from what he was to what he finished, because you were there for the whole thing, do you think Doug? Do you think that the, the flaws Doug is showing can can he can change that, or do you think this is just who he is? Based because he is Andy Junior. So I mean, what do you think based off that? He's really not Andy Junior. I mean, he is in a lot of like his strategies, his West Coast offense, but they're they're personality wise, they're not. I mean, they're they're as opposite as any two people I've ever been around. Andy didn't say it. You think Andy would answer questions about if we were eight and five? Come on, right. never. So, but, but, but what I'm but, saying is, didn't no, Andy? Think, I, I know what he has. I didn't want to clear up that I. Every, everyone thinks Doug is like Andy's clone. They're, they're right. personality wise, as a person, they're nothing alike. As a coach, they do have some similar. And why wouldn't they? That's only the only guy Doug's ever worked for is Andy. So he would, of course, it would be a little bit like him right. from, a, from a strategy standpoint. From a Know, offensive uh, game plan standpoint, of course he's like him that way. But they're nothing alike as people. Nothing, absolutely night and day, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Do I think? No, I don't think Doug Peterson. I, I'll be. I will be stunned out of my mind if Doug if this team ever goes to a Super Bowl with Doug Peterson as their head coach. And that's what the, and that's what the Eagles have to think about right now. If I'm Jeffrey Lurie, he has to sit down and talk to his advisors, whoever they, Howie, I guess, whoever else is, is in that, and say, listen. And this is what they I thought they needed to do last year. But with Sam Bradford was, and they, and they didn't answer that question because the Eagles don't they don't like to answer questions. The question last year at this time was, is Sam Bradford ever going to take us to a Super Bowl. And I'm not answering for him, but if their answer was yes, then they should have given him a new, a, a new deal, put some people around him, and let's see what happens. If, they, if the answer was no, they should let him walk as a free agent and move on. They kind of did both, and then they got really lucky when Teddy Bridgewater tore his knee up, and they found an idiot in, the, in Minnesota that was willing to give him a first-round pick for Bradford. Um, now they, I think they have to decide, they have to come and say, is Doug Peterson ever going to take us to a Super Bowl? And see, before, so, before you guys go on, with okay. one, one year, right? Like a year ago when they hired Doug Peterson. And then I have a couple things on Doug I wanted to ask you guys. But on, when they hired Doug a year ago, they made the determination that he was the kind of coach that could grow into that coach. Why would they in a year reevaluate that? Like I understand if – Because of team, what they've watched, I think. But, 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 okay, but that undermines their own thinking a year ago. Like why is a year enough? Like I understand the idea of like three weeks ago when we had the discussion. If the team quits and they hate him, well, then that's toxic. you got to get rid See, of him. But just, but just in-game stuff, why after a year is that enough time to say, ah, maybe we were wrong here? Like why is that enough time? Okay, well, all right, Mark, you, it sounds like you're ready. You want to go, Mark? Well, no, I, I, maybe it's not enough time, but do you want to just keep prolonging the inevitable? So now you, you know. Maybe I'm too strong here about this, but I just, I, and he's a, such a nice guy. That's why he's such a nice guy. And from a media standpoint, we couldn't ask for any more. He gives us too much, to be honest. Well, I, but I don't think either me or Mark, or I mean, I don't, definitely don't think you're saying it, Joe. I don't think any of us are saying they should fire Doug Peterson. I think I, I'm saying that they should think about it. Right. What I'm saying is I think Peterson's flaws outweigh his strengths. And the Eagles have to ask themselves, and this is what Mark is saying, do they think he can grow out of it? Because – and here's another aspect of all of this. Maybe Peterson does. Maybe it takes him a year or two. I mean there's – you know, I'm sure there's examples of coaches that you know, over time clearly have been fired and they come back and they're fine. But here's the other thing you have to consider. Are they willing to risk their – are they willing to bet on Doug Peterson becoming a better game day coach at the same time they develop Wentz? Because if you say, if you say, all right, we think Peterson's strengths, which I think there are some that I just outlined, if if his strengths are good enough that we want to wait for him to grow out of these weaknesses, if he doesn't grow out of them by like midpoint next year, what does that do to Wentz? I mean, Frank Reich, this isn't just us saying it. Frank Reich said he could see the losing wearing on Carson Wentz, right? So let's say the Eagles lose these next two games, which I, which I think is probably likely. So the Eagles finish five and eleven. They lose, you know, two, yeah. They well, they finish five and eleven, and they whatever they you know lose two. Uh, they lose eleven in the last thirteen, right? So, and then next year the schedule is what it is. I mean, next year they they start two and four, right? The question is, are you wasting time betting on Peterson? And Joe, you say, you know, why reevaluate after a year? Because Doug Peterson wasn't their top choice last year. This wasn't like Chip Kelly where they, they bought all in. I mean, you saw how much room Jeffrey Lurie gave Chip Kelly because he, he didn't want to give up on something he thought was correct from the jump. The question is, did the Eagles, how strongly did they believe in Doug Peterson from the jump? And who do they believe in more, 
Carson Wentz or Doug Peterson. And if they think that Wentz is not, and if they think Peterson is not the guy to develop Wentz after being around him for a year, you absolutely cut the cord earlier than you do later because doing it later could do irreparable, you know, it, damage to, to Wentz that cannot be fixed. I agree with that. And I think you've, you've probably seen some other teams hold on too long because they don't want to mess up continuity and it's a mistake. And we'll get into two teams that did the opposite in a few minutes here. Uh, Let me say this real, real quick because Elliot, what you said his strength is, I'm not sure that's his strength. I, I mean, players like him. They, oh, they love him because he's, he's easy on him and he's, a, he's one of the guys. I don't think – I think that's, that's a good trait for an assistant coach. Okay. I think the head coach – and you and I talked about this uh, last night. I think that there's something to be said for a head coach striking a little fear into you and, and not being your buddy but being your, you know, being your boss. Bill Belichick, I don't think the, the Patriots are buddy-buddy with him. Mm-hmm. But, they, but they respect him and they fear him. And he's the best coach in, in, in football. I mean, and they win all the time. I don't think you. I don't think the head coach should be your pal. I don't. I don't think he should be the guy. Hey, Dougie, what's up? Hey, what's up? Man? No, no. You should have, Mr. Peterson. What's up? You know, coach. No. I mean, I. I that's how I. I could be wrong. I mean, just, it's a new day and age now. Maybe that's. Maybe that is better to be. But I. I. The, my. The successful coaches I've been around, they've been feared and respected. Not. Not the player's friend. Yeah, well, Doug. What, Doug is certainly. A, a different kind of uh, head coach in terms of that, but let me ask you guys this: because this, I, I come every time I criticize Doug, and I criticize him too. I, I and I think we're all on the same page here in terms of he's made mistakes in games. I do want to th- throw one thing in there for yesterday, for Sunday, his decision making. If he didn't make that decision to go for two earlier in the game, which worked, they would have had to go for two at the end. So right. I, we have to give him a little credit for that. Like that, maybe well, he maybe went for two early because of the weather. Right, the weather. But, again, I don't know if every coach would have done that. Maybe they would have, but I'm well, not sure. sure every... Wait, but why do we have to give him credit for that? Because it was, you're, giving, you're knocking him for a wrong decision. Why not give him credit for a right decision? What was the right decision? Going for too early because it were, they got it. Because if they oh, didn't no, do that, right, okay. no, if they, if they no, didn't that do was, that, they would have had to go for too late. Like that, that made the points up to where the decision was later. But I, this is the question I have for both of you because every time I've – and some of the things Doug has done have just been ridiculous, like the you know the challenge for the two couple or the of yards. jet sweep yesterday on fourth and one with Aguilar. Bad call. <laughs> right, but okay, that that's a perfect example. Yeah, no, Aguilar's playing better. You told me. But yeah. Let me let me ask you guys because I think it's a perfect example that you brought up that play. How much of this? And you guys watch this team, and you've seen this team from the summer more than anybody. How much of this is Doug just not knowing what he's doing and making mistakes, or how much of it is? the lack of talent they have, and him trying to scheme up something because he doesn't think if he calls normal stuff or he does normal conventional coaching, they have a chance. Elliot? I I think it is not – the personnel is an issue on this team. I don't disagree. But yesterday, the call on fourth and one, the jet sweep, is a perfect example of why it's Doug, and I don't think it's him overcompensating. Because yesterday, you were running the ball – better than anyone's ever run the ball on the Ravens all season, probably. I think yesterday the, the most yards the, the Ravens had given up at home was 65 yards on the ground. Yesterday the Eagles finished with, I think, over double that. So you, you were running the ball. So if you want to look at just that example of a situation where Doug has a tough call to make and you know what's his play call, he had every reason to run the ball there. Instead, he tries to get cute, and he does you know probably his weakest receiver physically, sends him around on a jet sweep, and it doesn't work. So I think, yes, personnel is an issue, and I'm, I'm sure at some point, you know, in game planning that does come up. And if he had a better roster, if he had the Dallas Cowboys roster, right, 
I don't think there's any decision he makes this year that he wouldn't make, whether he had the Cowboys roster or the Eagles roster. I think this is who Doug wants to be. I think it's because he used to be a player. He really overemphasizes trying to show trust in his roster when he's time and time again making a reckless decision where, yeah, maybe the Eagles trust him now, but when they're, you know, when they lose, you know, 20 of their first 30 games with him as a head coach, I wonder how much they're really going to care that he's still being reckless. Thank you. That's all these players that are telling you, oh, we love him. He's my favorite coach. Best. If they're, if they're, if they go five and 11 this year and they're, like you said, two and five, just see how much players start liking him in. Well, let me ask you this, Mark, off of Joe's question. If, if Doug Peterson has the Dallas Cowboys roster, does he make any – do you think there's any calls? I mean, do you think he's a different coach or do you think this is just who he is? That's a good question. Because, I mean, the, the challenge to Nelson Aguilar that Joe referenced a few weeks ago against the Packers – or yeah, sorry. He would have, well, yeah, he would have done stuff like that no matter who he's coaching, I think. Right. So I can't think of I, I would hope if he's, coach, if, he had, if he's coaching the Dallas Cowboys, if him and Jason Garrett just flip-flopped for a couple weeks – I would hope he's given the ball to El- like he makes Ezekiel Elliott to, to defeat the focal. He ran it yesterday, and yet on fourth and one, he's I'm still saying, on fourth down. I would hope he get he wouldn't he wouldn't give you know Terrence Williams a, a, the ball on a, on, a, on a jet sweep. He would hand it to Elliott. I would hope. But I would, yesterday, I know he didn't. I know. I know. <laughs> I hope. Right. Yeah. Like I would just love to get into his mind. I know he answers questions honestly, but like a question like this, and to know what he's thinking, like to yesterday. Was part of the reason why he went for it to try to win it there was because I don't know I think Elliot you wrote about the defense and, and some of Jim Schwartz and, and maybe the players not loving that call before halftime but does he go for it because he doesn't trust that his defense is going to get off the field and not allow a touchdown because they've allowed twenty something points in basically every game for well, that's, months that's, now this is the other thing and this is what Marcus talked about like the stuff Peterson says at the podium makes you scratch your head too like so yesterday <laughs> after the game he goes. And I'm paraphrasing because I was in the locker room. I wasn't in on Doug. But he said something like, uh, you know, well, we, we were underdogs, so I wanted to go we, for it. Like, you ran the numbers. Yeah. Less than a fifth. What numbers? And also, what are you like, talking about? What do you even mean we were an underdog? What, what did you the debate where to go for it and then remembered you were a six-point dog going into yeah, the game? Like, I, like you, were, you were one point behind. You could have tied the game. You're basically that, – that quote either means a couple of things. One – Coming into the game, he knew that they weren't good enough, and that's why he went for it. Or two, he didn't think they were good enough to beat them in overtime. So, I mean, how else can you interpret that quote? So, I, I don't know what he's talking about. We were the underdogs. We wanted to go for it. Like, I, I don't know what he's – I don't know. I know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it's, it came off to me as, like, we're playing with house money. We're not supposed to win this game. But he shouldn't say that. No, exactly. <laughs> and also, you're not playing with house money. Like, everybody's saying this. This Eagles team needs a win. I don't care what their record is. And your best chance of winning that game, in my opinion, was to go into overtime. And so, every, like, you know, every, and Doug's up there like, oh, who cares if we win or lose? We're 5-8. and eight. Well, I'm sure all the players in the locker room care a lot whether you win or lose. And you lost yesterday. For but the they, 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 Elliot, I think you had it on Twitter um, in terms of the players you talked to. Was it a sense that he made the right decision? I mean, yeah. They, they said they thought they made the right decision. But, all, but I'll say two things to that. One... I would be I would be pretty surprised if a player would have came out and said that. But also, at a certain point, what the players feel does matter. But Doug's the head coach. He needs to do what he thinks. He needs to do what's in the best interest of those players as the coach. I mean, yeah, he's a player's coach, but he's not like he still has to make decisions on his own. And yesterday, he there that game was over because of the call Doug Peterson made, both in the decision to go for two and the play call. I, that, I, well, I agree with you on that. The major, right? He has to be the adult in the room. Like, he's got to make right. the right decision, not let the players' feelings. Go ahead, Mark. 
I was saying players for the most part, and that's why they're players and not coaches. They're always going to say, Oh yeah, we, you know, we want to go for it. Let's win the game. But that's where they need. I mean, players would, would, would never punt on fourth down if they asked them, you know what I'm saying? Especially offensive. They would go for it every time. They always think they can get it. They always think they're going to gain. And that's how they have to think. Right. Well, maybe, 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 maybe Doug's maybe Doug still thinks too much like a yes. Player. That's what Elliot was saying. I agree 100 percent with Elliot there. Yes, the fact that he he I mean come on, listen to his press. He's, he's always talks about well when I was playing oh when Brett Favre uh, I mean Doug yeah, those days are over. It's like right. glory days. He's talking you know he thinks he's singing glory days to us. And also when is where, where is he seeing the success of this risk taking? Like 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 where where has trusting his players 13, 13 weeks into the season worked out for him? In the Bears and Browns game, I, I guess yeah, he's, he's harkening back to that. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm not saying you're really wrong, only, but that was it. And really, only once in in the Browns game. I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of any big decisions. And I think he actually went for it on fourth down at the beginning of the Bears game. But regardless, even if those are the two examples, Doug needs to learn at this point, and it, like I'm sure it hurts for him to admit. He can't trust his players. He, he's got to stop trusting his players because it's not working out for him. He does not have the talent to work it. So kick the extra point, ride your momentum in overtime, hope maybe the Ravens make another mistake, That's and see thing. what happens. You know, everyone's saying, like, we were, like, and him saying we were underdogs. And, you know, like, and people, and, and I've and I seen this on, on social media, people are like, oh, yeah, well, the Ravens, we weren't that team. Maybe I'm crazy. The Ravens aren't that good, guys. I mean, first of all, they were only a six-point favorite. It wasn't the line wasn't sixteen; it was six. And the Ravens are going to be a five hundred team. I, I think they, the Ravens could easily lose their last two games, go eight and eight. That's an okay team. They're not. They're not. They're not anything special. Yeah, they're pretty. They're not, that, they're pretty they're not the Patriots. They're not the. the, the they're, not that, they're not the Cowboys. Or the. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, everybody making a big deal. Oh, house. You know, you're like even you said. You know, house money and the Ra- Ravens are just okay. Right? Am they, I wrong? They're, no, no, they're an average team. They're an average team. They're one point better than the Eagles. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> like 28 teams better than the Eagles. I mean. Right. All right, guys. Let's transition before we wrap this episode, because we did a lot on Doug, to, to, to Carson Wentz. And, Elliot, you've been saying this for weeks. I've totally agreed. The whole point of this season is Carson Wentz, especially now that he and the team to a lesser extent, but he ends this thing on a positive note and maybe can springboard it into his success and team success in 2017. I mean, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston both had rough years last year. They're, they might both make the playoffs this year, or at least on the cusp of doing that. They're both you know, quarterbacking good teams, competitive teams, teams that have a chance these last two weeks. So that's got to be the hope for the Eagles. But on Wentz yesterday, and in the beginning, Elliot, you mentioned you know, if they did something different at the end, maybe it'd be a different reaction to Wentz. It's funny because it gets overlooked. He did do the job, right? Like if Doug mm-hmm. kicks the extra point, the way his final drive is talked about is different because he got them in overtime. He tied the game. He led a game-tying drive. Uh, it didn't happen because the extra point was called in a different way that it didn't allow it to happen. But just your thoughts on Wentz as we finish this up because that was a big moment for him, even though it might not be remembered. Yeah, uh, a couple of things. I mean, one, the, if you notice uh, your Mariota and Winston reference, both of them struggled their rookie year. Both teams fired their head coach. Thank you. I was, that, you <laughs> stole my line. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> but – but they saw something that they both brought in different coaches, didn't they? Right. So, but move on from that because we beat the Doug thing to death. <laughs> but, two, but two, I mean, yesterday. So every every game, I give Carson Wentz a, a grade at the end of it. I do his report card. And yesterday, he was bad up until that final drive. I mean, he was inaccurate. I thought he made a few bad decisions. Um, I mean, he didn't throw the ball a ton because of the because they ran it, but he didn't do much down the field. He so two times. Well, but I'm saying I think up until like midway through the third, it was pretty even. So. But whatever. So 
But I think yesterday, and Mark asked me this on the uh, drive back from Baltimore yesterday, like, if Sam Bradford has that game, what would my take on it be? Or really any quarterback. But the reason I don't think you can – the reason I think you leave yesterday feeling good about Wentz is over these next few games, or next two games, and really how you could judge him the past few weeks, you don't – yeah, you want to see a complete game where he dominates. But what you, what you want to see is areas of him growing. And I think over the past weeks you, you haven't really seen that up until yesterday because I thought – for him, and I know it was only 50-something yards that he took him. It wasn't like it was 95 yards in a minute. I mean, it was 50 yards in two minutes. So, But I think we all agreed. None of us thought they were going to score. And the reason we thought didn't think that is because they'd come up small time and time again this year. So for him to do that, I think, was a major step forward in his development. Um, because ultimately, to be a franchise quarterback and to be a quarterback you can build around, that's where you have to come up big. And you can suck the whole game, but if you get it done where it matters— you're going to win more games than you're going to lose. So so I think yesterday I felt good. I felt better about Wentz yesterday because he was able to pull that off than I did coming into the game because it's good to see that he has he has that in him to do it. Mark, your thoughts on Wentz as, as we watch him finish out this rookie year and the idea that, you know, how much this matters to him and, and trying to springboard this thing. He um he he showed me something on on the last drive. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, he, he took him down and he scored. He got helped by two penalties on on the Ravens that were key plays on that drive. They, it would have been third and long both times, and the, the Ravens bailed him out. Um, I don't think he played well yesterday. I mean, I, that that drive notwithstanding, he did things that he, the, the interception was bad. He's thrown an interception now five straight games. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, what, what's he, your he fumbled twice, got lucky that they, the Eagles got both. Well, one went out of bounds and one he got back. Um, he made some sketchy de- decisions early in, even on that last drive. I thought he made a couple bad passes that went incomplete. I, he's not the same guy he was beginning of the year. I mean, he's well, not. I agree, I and, I, and that's not a good thing. I mean, I didn't I didn't watch Mariota and Winston that closely last year. I mean, obviously we're not we don't cover Tampa Bay or, or Tennessee, but. I don't know if they got better as the year went on or not. I'm, I'm, I, well, Mariota got hurt, but uh, Winston, I think, did get better as the year went on, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's not – I mean, he was so – and again, he raised the bar because those first three, four games, he played so well and and was so flawless in his decision-making, I thought. I mean, I, that, that that's what stunned me about him that first month was, man, for a rookie – you know, he doesn't make any bad decisions. He makes he even if he doesn't complete every pass, which no one does, he was throwing the ball to, to the right guy at the right time. It just maybe, you know, maybe well, can I, not to interrupt, but can I ask you this? How much do you think his early play because you were one of the people saying this early on in the season, this team looked good because of who they were playing, right? How much do you think him playing early on well was the opponent? And how much do you think him struggling now is he's playing better teams, or do you think it's him regressing as a player. It doesn't have as much to do with who he's playing. I think, well, it always has something to do with who, who you're playing. Although the Steelers, he played real well against the Steelers, too. Um, I think it's this, and I, I wrote this a couple times, and I think even Doug said it, which, again, he probably shouldn't have, uh, is those first games, the Browns had nothing on him. The Browns right. had a, a quarter of Tampa, a Tampa Bay game, him playing with guys that aren't, aren't in the league anymore, against guys that aren't in the league anymore. So, they, the Browns had nothing to go on other than North Dakota's stuff. So it was all brand new. They had no idea what, what they were going to see. The Bears only had the Browns game. The Steelers had only had two. I mean, 
you know, the more and the more you play now, I mean, let's be honest, there's, there are some smart coaches in this league. Believe it or not, there are some who are smart. They're just and, not the Browns and the Bears. <laughs> well, now they didn't have anything to base it on. No, I'm just kidding. Now you're playing the Ravens, you're playing the Redskins, you're playing the Giants, Cowboys, Packers, Seahawks. They have a bunch of stuff to watch on them. They found things that they feel he, that they could do against him, and it's working. Now that's where I kind of put it on Doug, Frank, Reich, John DeFilippo, whoever else. They have to counteract. I mean, football's a... Football, for as, as violent and physical of a game as it is, it's also a mental game and a chess match. The coaches are it's, – it's a lot of mental chess match going on. And they have to adapt to what defenses are doing. They can't keep telling us all, all the time, well, the, the defense walked uh, – they, they took that away. Oh, come on. You get to watch film of them too, don't you? <laughs> right? I mean, you, you got to come up with something that they can't that – they, that they're not good at. You know, if they're finding your weaknesses, well, you got to kind of counteract that. And that's what's not happening. No, it's not. Not enough. Let's wrap with this about Wentz and, and the Eagles themselves. Two games left. So it's a short week. We're doing this on a Monday, Thursday night. Home game against the Giants. And then uh, New Year's Day, home game against the Cowboys. Now, you guys already said they probably lose. And they'll be underdogs and playing two teams that are. Well, i got to ask Doug what the line is. I don't, I, I, right. I, <laughs> it'll, it'll affect the way he coaches the game. But, yeah, they're going to be underdogs. And especially Thursday against the Giants, the Giants having so much on the line. But, Mark, and I want both of your perspectives on Wentz, but then the team. And, Mark, you've seen a lot of these teams over the years that have had different things to play for. I think of Andy second to last year. They start four and eight. They finished four wins in a row, and people thought maybe it'd be a springboard, and it turned out not to be because they go four and twelve the next year, and he's gone. Uh, I go back to a rookie quarterback like Eli's first year. I think he was zero and six. He won a Week Seventeen game against Dallas, and the, the Giants always talked about that as a springboard to the next year. They started winning a lot. How much do you think these last two games could be important for a springboard, or do you think that kind of stuff is meaningless because the yeah. team will be different when it comes yeah. to next August? I, L, L, go ahead, Mark. You go first. Yeah, I think it's meaningless. I really do. I mean, year, every year is different, especially nowadays with free agency and stuff. I mean, no, yeah, I just don't think – I don't think what happens – listen, you always want to win. There's always a better feeling as a as a competitor to win a game. So, yeah, it could – I mean, the Eagles will feel better about themselves if they can knock the Giants maybe from – I guess the Giants are in the playoffs now. Or, or, no, they, 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 they need one more, and if they lose to the Eagles, they could miss. I mean, they're close, no. but if they win a Thursday, they're in. Right, I know that, but they could even if they lose both ten and six, they could get knocked out. I yeah, guess they, they lose a lot of tiebreakers. Yeah, yeah, there'd be a scenario right. where they miss. But but yeah, nice they want to win. That would be that would be a nice thing for the Eagles to say. Hey, we, we we made the Giants, you know, have to win the next game, or we helped knock the Giants out of the playoffs. And same, who knows what happens with the Cowboys? I mean, I, I can't imagine they would. I mean, um, if the Eagles lose to the Giants, and maybe the Giants could catch a cow, whatever. It, it would be nice, but to say that they. You won your last two games of 2016. That's going to help us in 2017. It doesn't work that way. I've never seen it. I mean, like you said, Andy's that they won those meaningless last four games, and oh, and then what they do the next year, four and twelve. Well, so. so I would I would disagree with that because you know they that year they finished eight and eight. You're right. They were four and eight. They lost, they won the next four, and it was one of the reasons Lurie brought him back. And then it was a disaster. But right. if you look earlier in Andy's career. And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it his first year where they won the last two games or something like that, or they beat the Rams the last game of the season? With I think Don- it was Rams and Patriots. Yeah. They were three and eleven. They finished right. five and eleven. Is that right? Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. So here, here's why I don't think they're meaningless. Because, that's not why they got better. Well, no. But, right, but, okay. Well, they beat a Rams team that didn't play anybody in the game. 
That could be the that could be the Cowboys game. Right. True. But, he, but here's the thing. I think what this what this Eagles team needs to see after talking to players in the locker room yesterday, they need to see the arrow is trending up. They need to feel like what they're doing is working, right? And if they lose their last seven games of the season, when Andy was the head coach his rookie year, I mean, or maybe it was his first or second year, at least at the end of the season, I think you could say the arrow was trending up. McNabb was playing. They won their last two games, meaningless or not. They still won their last two games. And you and, and next year, they beat Dallas week one, and – they, they, from there, they, you know, they were one of the best teams in the NFC for you know, a few years in a row. So I think that, yeah, if they win the next two games and they come out in the first game of week. How come it didn't work in 2011? What? How come it didn't work in 2011? They won four yeah. in a row in the NFC. Because two, four. I don't think they were – they weren't rebuilding then. Like this, this team is, is rebuilding at this point. You know what I mean? Like I think, I think if Carson Wentz comes out and throws six interceptions over the next two games, I think people say – yeah, I mean, that's really bad. He, you know, he, he ended the season on a bad note. He got progressively worse throughout the season. He's turning the ball over a ton. And you go into next season, I think, with question marks about Carson Wentz. If they come out the next two weeks and Carson Wentz throws six touchdowns and throwing two interceptions, then I think you end the season feeling positive about it. Yeah, so, I, I, that's right. Yeah, you'll feel positive for a couple of weeks, a month. By next July, it's, it's you forget about it. No, I, I, I just disagree with that premise that uh, every year is different. Every year, it's a – come on. There's going to be anywhere from 15 to 25 new players on the team next year, right? Yeah, there, there will be. But there will be a different feeling. Won't there be a different feeling in the offseason? No. Like no, there will be, Mark. If they win these last two games yeah, somehow, there would be a different yeah, feeling up. going into January than if they lose out. Like, that would be bad. Yeah, it would. But right. I, don't, I don't think it translates to, to – into next year, I just and that's don't. Fair. That's fair. That's a fair take on it. I'm not. I don't know if the. I don't I mean, know if there is the right answer. Ryan Matthews gains 120 yards again next week, and and 130 yards against the the Cowboys. And when he's playing for the Packers next year, we'll feel good about it. Well, or or he tricks Eagles into keeping him another year. And that's, <laughs> right. But I guess what I guess what I'm saying is this: I think because of this, like if Sam Bradford was Eagles quarterback, or you know Ryan Fitzpatrick. Then I would agree with you. These last two games mean nothing because you have so much change coming. No, no, but, don't get me wrong. I didn't say they mean nothing. I'm saying if they win them, they'll feel good about themselves, and it's always good to win. And they'll feel. But I don't think you can translate that into next year. I don't think it. The, ben, the Cincinnati Bengals back in the day were always that team. They would start off two and six. They'd get hot in the second half and go eight and eight. And everybody would say, "Hey, watch the Bengals next year." They're gonna. They, they they won six of their last eight. They're coming on, and they go and they do the same thing again the next. Year. I I think it's important for Carson Wentz. I'll say that. I think it's important for Carson Wentz to come out. I know it's important for Carson Wentz to go get him a wide receiver that can play, to get him a, a, a tackle that can block, and a running back that's that's solid. That's what's important. I, for I agree. With, I agree with that too. But I think him playing well over these next two games. I think it. I think it, I I disagree with. I just think I think it means something to end the season on a positive note. I just do. It, 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 I'm not disagreeing, but it doesn't mean anything for next year. That's all I'm saying. The whole world, it's, it's a different world next year. Every maybe, year is different. Maybe without Doug. <laughs> maybe. Well, there you go. That, that's another aspect. If they win these last two games, they're not firing oh, Doug. They lose the last two. You know, it's more of a conversation. So, yeah, I mean, the season is over, but I... Premise, Joe, that, What's that? What do you think of my premise that the one thing Jeffrey Lurie despises as much as losing is apathy. Oh, I agree with that. And if that stadium Thursday night is half filled and the, and the people that are there are wearing blue and and yelling let's go giants on national television. 
That's not that, that's not going to make a lot of smiles in the owners' box. No, it wouldn't. No, no. They need to play. They need to finish these last two at worst, the way they played these last two, right? Like in the game to the end, the fans will be in it then, and well, whatever. That's, that's you, what I'm you, are the fans going to be there Thursday night? I think they'll be there to start. If the Giants are up thirty-five nothing at halftime, they'll walk out of the building. But they're going to be there at the start of the game. It'll be. I think so. Half. Yeah, I, I think they'll be there. Okay. I hope so, but I mean, I'm I'm wondering. I'm wondering if that's not going to be. You've seen Phillies Mets games at Citizens where you hear "Let's go Mets" more than you hear Philly, right? A lot. Oh, that certainly happened a lot. Yeah, that's, I mean, not, I, that's embarrassing. Oh, then I thought last year, Mark, part of the reason why Chip got fired on that Tuesday rather than after the season is because well, at the end of that game against the Redskins, when the Redskins right. beat them on that Saturday, you could hear the Redskins chanting that dumb "Hail of the Redskins" song the whole time. <laughs> yep. So that yeah, that doesn't play well. But I I think they'll I, we'll see. I think they'll show up and. Um, it's going to be interesting. Two games to go. It's meaningless, but in in a way, it's not. Elliot, uh, as always, thanks for doing this. We'll catch you up again next week. And to all of our listeners, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays out there. Thanks, Elliot. Yep, talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Joe. And thanks to all of you for listening. Everyone have a great weekend, great holiday weekend. Uh, we'll be back next week to get ready for whatever the last game of the season is. And, um, and after the Thursday night game against the Giants, right here on NJ.com. 